0: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello everyone, I hope you had a really fun Halloween. I love the little kids in their costumes. I mean, my kids are cute too, but there's something just so precious about the little kids in their costumes. And I actually remember Carter's first Halloween, he was 20 months old. We dressed him up as a 50s greaser and it was the only year we ever did a family costume or family costumes. I was super pregnant that year. As a matter of fact, I was so pregnant, I um, I dropped two babies two days later. But <laughs> uh, I did a white button-down shirt, um, some jeans rolled up, and the high ponytail with a ribbon tied around it. Um, their dad dressed up as a T-bird from Greece as well. He had a costume. Anyway, that was fun. Um, we actually went to a Halloween party that night. Anyway, two days later, I went into labor and had the twins. <laughs> And so my twins turned 11 this week. As of this recording yesterday, they were 11 yesterday. Um, My older son is now 12, and he's pretty much as tall as me, but he loves Halloween. This is his favorite holiday. They didn't get to do Halloween last year. So even though now he's in middle school, he actually dressed up for school this year. It was really cute. I was shocked that he didn't feel self-conscious. But he went to school and trick-or-treating as a giant penguin. And I didn't even get pictures. This is the worst. It's been so crazy. Um, Well, he was a giant penguin with a broken arm or a broken wing, I guess. Um, The twins wore some of those blow-up costumes, but those things are so cumbersome. They ended up taking them off after about four streets. It's the cutest thing, though, to see them waddling around. Taylor was was riding a dinosaur, so she was a person riding a dinosaur, and Chandler was being abducted by an alien, (laughs) so... So, and by the way, Chandler is doing so much better. He has made the hockey team. I can't remember if I shared that last week on the podcast, but he has made the hockey team. He has four friends coming for his birthday. His dad worked really hard to get parents' numbers so that he could invite them. Um, He's working with the school counselor and learning some skills for coping with life's ups and downs. So he's definitely on the upward swing. So that is go- That is great. He's a very emotional person, and that's not a bad thing at all, but it can make those hard times even harder. And I'm actually very emotional as well. So, so much so that I actually feel other people's feelings deeply sometimes, and that can be really hard, like differentiating, like, what is this? I don't feel this way. And then realizing it's actually, you're picking up someone else. Anyway. Um, but Chandler broke out in tears last night when we sang happy birthday to him. And he said, I love you all so much. So he's a very special boy. Carter's arm is mending as well. Also, he had his one week appointment today and all looks good. So he has to wear the cast for four more weeks though. But these have been some stressful past couple of weeks here in the Royer Azraelant household. I'm still working on my house that got pushed back on the back burner for several days last week. But I got back at it again this week. So, all good. I also totally forgot to mention I was on the No Guilt Moms podcast two or three weeks ago, and it was so fun. So, I hope you guys will check it out. We talked about the guilt that goes along with being a divorced parent when we start to go through that process and we really decide or finally decide that this is not something that we can stay in. So, We talked about that a lot, and I talked about some of the research, which I've also shared on my own podcast in the past. We just had a really nice conversation with Joanne and Brie about dealing with divorce and the guilt and the other feelings that can go along with divorce and managing that situation. So if you want to hear me talk to some other people, have me be interviewed, you can check out the No Guilt Mom podcast. I believe I was two or three episodes ago. Okay, so today's question is from Meredith. She wrote in and she said, a pressing issue has come up with my six-year-old daughter that I thought might be a good question for the podcast. My six-year-old daughter has a twin brother. For the last month or so, if you offer the brother any extra attention, like when he lost a tooth or when he gets hurt, she goes into a tailspin saying, how come you don't love me anymore? And she will get so worked up, you can't even talk to her. If he has a cut, she will lie and say, she has a cut and a bruise and a headache. It's awful and it's starting to make her brother not want to talk about his accomplishments or issues. She has also become very manipulative to him. If he won't carry her backpack or play the game she wants to play, she will tell him I'm leaving the house and he gets super upset. So this is a great question and we've seen some related questions before but this one is presenting in a different way than the other so it allows me to dig in in a way that I've never done before. I've gotten questions about kids who want mom to do bedtime every night and never dad. A child who doesn't like it when mom sings and tells her to stop or insists a parent hold their hand everywhere they go, even throughout the house. Um, a child who wants the parent to dress them when they're fully capable of doing it themselves. Um, children who want their parents to not wear something or to wear something in particular. So these are I've gotten these types of questions before. And there's several important aspects to development of self and ideals that we need to teach in these types of moments. These are always opportunities to teach. So first, I'm gonna discuss the development of self and how this is tying into the development of self and the goal of being a healthy relational adult. And then the messages that we need to understand from our children when they engage in these types of controlling or manipulative behaviors and what they need from us. So we're gonna dive into some deeper psychology here, so hopefully this is fun and interesting. I find this stuff fascinating. So young children are learning about their power and testing that power. So this is one really important area to help them navigate. It may appear on the surface that children want power, and they do to some degree. But they also want to know that they can count on us to be the strong leader they need, that they can count on us to be in charge when they're out of control, when they're pushing boundaries, that we will put those boundaries down for them. The world is big and it's scary. And the idea of being in charge, of taking care of themselves, whether it's physically or emotionally, is understandably overwhelming. They don't know the first thing about any of the adult stuff. The logistical stuff, obviously, of like making money and taking care of things and fulfilling their basic needs, but even the emotional piece, they need our support. They need us to help them, I don't want to use the word contain, but to a degree, contain that. Help them feel safe in working through those emotions and know that we are in charge and that we that we are in control, that we understand what's happening with them and can reassure them when they're dealing with those big feelings. Now many times when kids get controlling or bossy and seemingly manipulative, what they're really saying is, I feel insecure. I need to know I can be taken care of in this world because I'm not ready to do it myself. I need you to show me you're a solid leader. Now it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds like they're trying to pull power back, but they're pushing hard to see if we will step up. If we will step up and set the boundaries to help them to, in this, in this way, contain those emotions a little bit, to let them know what is okay and what isn't okay, how far they can go and how far they can't, and when they've stepped over those boundaries of when they're asking for something or pushing for something. When you see this happening, you want to take a look at the other dynamics going on around. Now, I think this is really important, especially in Meredith's um, question, because Meredith, you mentioned that it's a, it's a new thing, and she's six. So... If she's six now, you know, and a lot of this gets worked through a little bit earlier, but if she's really starting to struggle with some of this stuff now at six and it's been going on for a month but not before that, there might be something going on currently in the environment that's making her feel insecure. So taking a look at that, what are the big changes? Are there any big changes going on? Is there a move happening? Are they moving schools? Is there a new sibling on the way? Um, is there stress in the adult lives? Even if we think we're shielding them from our stressors, whether it's fear of a job loss, an ill relative, whatever that may be, they may be feeling that. So look at the dynamics of what's going on around you now, what might be changing, what they might be feeling differently and why that might be pulling out these feelings of insecurity. But also look at the dynamics of the relationship up to this point. So. For Meredith, this may not be as relatable to you, but for anyone else who starts to see this controlling behavior in, you know, toddlerhood, early toddlerhood, preschool years, take a look at the dynamics of the relationship up to this point, now and in the past. How much control does the child who's struggling with this behavior, meaning the one who's pushing for more control or is manipulating or trying to manipulate, how much control do they have? Does he or she have enough? or has it been too much? Usually it's too much, but not always. Sometimes they'll start pushing in weird ways because you know, they're being told what to eat when and how and what to eat first and you know what time is bed and what time to get up and what to wear and what to eat and they're not getting any choices throughout their day and what time to put their toys away. So if there's just a lot of control, they will start pushing in different ways like this as well. So just take a look and as soon as you hear that, you'll probably know which end your child may have if this is part of this issue, it may not be. Um, But definitely something to look at. So when your child was younger, did she get her way a lot? Did she have to learn to compromise or live within certain family boundaries? If she didn't like the meal, did she get to choose something else? If she didn't want to stay at the table, does she always get to get up and leave and not sit and stay at family dinner time? If she pushes back at bedtime or wants a parent or wanted a parent in the past staying in the room, was she successful in getting her way? Did she get the parent to stay in the room till she fell asleep or even stay in there all night? Believe it or not, kids who seem really insistent about getting their way and are successful at it, even in areas where they probably shouldn't be in charge, like a parent staying in the room all night or choosing one food and then not liking it and then deciding they want another one and getting another one, they become more anxious and less self-confident rather than the opposite because they need us to set healthy boundaries. They want to know that we can set healthy, healthy boundaries for them when they are out of control when they are pushing and wanting more they want to know that we can put our foot down so that they are getting those healthy boundaries they need those they need those walls there to bump up against to know where those are so they can learn to set them for themselves so they need us to do that and follow through otherwise they feel insecure they feel like the world is wide open and oh my gosh i can just do almost anything i want that's not secure that feels uncomfortable they need us to be strong leaders, to show them the way to a healthy way of life, not just with good sleep habits and eating habits, but with relationships too, with these types of relationships of what they can take control over and what they can't. Peer relationships are give and take. They're compromised. So they need to know to give and take. And of course, adult-child relationships are adults setting the rules and the boundaries within fair limits, of course giving our children some options and choices so they have a chance to practice freedom to practice choices and getting confidence with those but we have more life experience so when it comes to certain things we set those boundaries because it's important it's important that they get good sleep habits this is a really important life skill that they learn to like healthy foods that they learn that you know in 5 minutes it's dinner time it means in 5 din- minutes it's dinner time the world doesn't wait for you forever to finish doing this one last thing Now, as they age and get better with setting boundaries and limits for themselves, we then back away. If we think about even those simple exchanges when they're really young, this colored plate versus that colored plate, this is not a big deal, especially if they're both right there and it's an option and they're both clean. But when they want us to make oatmeal, but they chose toast, and now they change their mind back to oatmeal, allowing them to switch after the fact, this is molding them for future interactions. They're gonna keep pushing for their way more and more and more, try to figure out where that boundary is. They wanna know where it is. They may seem like they're upset, and they probably are, but it's still important to set that boundary. They really need, they need it. They need to know it's there. Not just with us, but with other people as they grow into adulthood. So with Mera, this question, we have an added layer of trying to control brother, not just the parents, which adds some complexity for sure. So I'm gonna talk more about the importance of boundaries, examples of how to talk to a child, with this. Um, The language you can use so you can speak directly to what's going on in your child's mind in that moment. And I'm going to get to that right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 to casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheartcom slash podcast with the code Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now that we're back, I'm going to share some more insight about boundaries. Then I'll give some example language to use when setting boundaries, parent to child, as well as working with both children in cases like Meredith is seeing, when you have one child who's really trying to push over the other child's boundaries. So I'm going to talk about adult relationships here for a moment, because this is what we're guiding our children towards. You'll really see this as they age, that you're guiding them more and more towards how to have adult relationships, being able to have these healthy adult connections and interactions, the give and take without losing ourselves in it, or what we term codependence, where we give so much of ourselves that we lose ourselves. We waffle back and forth, all of us do, to some degree or another, between independence, and codependence in many families single parent or two parent household each person often takes on one role more than the other of being like a little more independent or a little more codependent hopefully not too much in one direction or the other if you're in a single parent household sometimes you know the child will then begin to take on the other role. So if the parent is super independent, the child will become a little more codependent. If the parent's codependent, the child will start to push for more independence, but then they attract that opposite partner like their parent as they, um, when they age. So one of my favorite lecturers and authors is Esther Perel. And if you haven't heard her, if you're interested to learn about relationship dynamics, she is just fantastic. So she says, among many other pearls of wisdom, in every relationship, there was one person who was more afraid of losing themselves and another person who was more afraid of losing their partner. Now, as soon as you hear that statement, you should immediately know which one you are. This is a delicate balance of being in union, but not losing the self, of being in union and not needing your partner to give so much that they lose themselves. Now, if we're single, like I said, we can still have these tendencies for codependence or hyper-independence. So we each come with our own issues. We come to the table and we have children and we hope not to pass on our own insecurities or unhealthy relational patterns. I know I'm getting deep here, much deeper than usual. Um, But we all have some relational patterns that could use work and could use healing. And a lot of times we avoid those. It's not uncommon for us to avoid them because they're painful to face but it's just life as a human. So here we are, trying to be cognizant of our own psychological selves, or maybe not. Some people are very avoidant of that, that's also common. But our kids will sure bring them to the surface if we aren't looking at them. And even if we are, they'll bring them to the surface for us or hold a mirror up many times. But that's a topic for another day. Or actually, probably from my new podcast I'm currently working on called Minding the Gap. It's about recognizing our own patterns and working on them and creating the life and being our best self. So that's a, a, a whole different area, but I'm really excited and we're really working hard on that one, along with everything else. So, okay, so here we are. We want to raise children who know how to be healthy in themselves so they can be healthy in relation to others. So when we hear our child engaging in these relational patterns of control— how do we help them get their needs met in a healthier way? That's really what we're working on here. Everyone has the right to set healthy boundaries around what works for them. And it's the other person's job to then hear and adhere to those boundaries without it feeling like a personal slight. Now, again, of course, the operative word here is healthy boundaries and working on healthy boundaries. So children need to learn that people they love can set boundaries and still love them. That we all have needs or wants, and sometimes those needs or wants do not intersect. They're not going to be the same. So when they're young, it may be that someone else doesn't want to play the same game that they do. And as adults, it might look like I want to spend an evening with my friends on Thursday. Um, or I want to if it's a girlfriend I want to spend, I'm going out with my other friend Gail on Thursday. It doesn't mean I don't care about you or I don't love you. It means I'm my own person separate from you, and I have my own needs, that this other person fulfills some different needs. Loving me means wanting me to take care of myself too. So how do we help kids begin to understand this really big, deep concept around this? So first, it's setting those boundaries with love. Now this means knowing it's in their best interest, not getting frustrated, but coming from a place of understanding, teaching, and guiding when they struggle. We're coming from a place of being the strong leader they need through this learning experience. So you can start with the areas I discussed earlier, if this is an issue. If, is your child getting too much freedom? Does she need more security? So tightening down those areas, of bedtimes, you know, meals, putting toys away at certain times, with the warnings, of course, always being respectful in all of these exchanges, but setting the boundaries, because setting boundaries is respectful. Those types of things. Set solid but loving boundaries around the day and the schedule to increase feelings of security. Allowing your child to get themselves dressed, even if they're pushing back and they're capable. I know you're capable. And letting them do that for themselves. And then also working on these areas where your child is exhibiting their insecurity. When they're coming in and they're trying to be controlling and manipulative. And and that is them saying, I feel insecure. So addressing that in the moment. So I'm gonna dig into Meredith's question here as an example. And she said, one of the things her daughter is saying is how come you don't love me anymore? You wanna invite your child to a dialogue. It sounds like you're feeling left out when someone else gets attention. At six, your child may have a deeper answer or response than they will if Well, they will than they did at four. But they may have a deeper answer than you may be expecting. So explaining listening to what they have to say, hearing, you know, and then following that train, but also making sure that you explain that love for one person doesn't diminish love for another. Everyone needs love, and when someone is hurt, they especially need love. Now there's plenty of love to go around for everyone. There's plenty of love from mom to go around for all of her kids. But then we need to let them have their reactions. If that is not a satisfactory answer to them, and it probably won't be, especially the first time they hear it, we're just gonna keep our boundaries. Let them have their reaction, let them work it through, talk about it more later. They may not like that showing affection for a sibling, but that's something they need practice dealing with and accepting it. So giving them that practice at working through it is the loving thing to do. When your daughter says she is hurt too, saying something like, it sounds like you're feeling the need for some attention or affection right now too. I'm gonna to finish up looking at your brother's cut and getting it fixed up, then I can look at yours. Then if and when you don't find anything on her, you can discuss that. You can talk about how there's, again, how there's enough love to go around for everyone. How people get jealous for all kinds of reasons. And it's normal. And you can talk about how loving one person doesn't mean you love another one. You love anyone else any less. But, you know, talking about those real feelings. Jealousy is a real feeling. It's, a, it's one of those kind of dark emotions and negative emotions we call shadow emotions. We don't like to feel jealousy, but um, we don't like to admit it. It's a tough emotion, but really talking about it and facing it, helping her face it will be really helpful for her. That sibling rivalry. When it comes to her brother, there's an opposite side of that coin that you're going to help him with. You're teaching him how to set the solid boundaries. So setting the solid example of how to deal with setting the boundaries when you do that with her Now, when she is engaging with him, you can give him a chance to do it on his own, but if he's struggling, then you can step in. I can see you're feeling upset about your brother not doing what you want, but it's not your brother's job to carry your backpack. He is allowed to say no. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. So if you're setting that example for him of the type of dialogue, that he can engage in, it'll take him some time to get older. He can just say, no, I don't want to carry your backpack, which is about what you're going to get from a six-year-old. They may even just walk away, but saying, no, I don't want to carry your backpack is fine. But you're teaching him that his boundary is perfectly acceptable and that he doesn't need to get upset about her reaction. It sends this message that her response is not his responsibility. You want to keep that mindset yourself that her response is not his responsibility and that he is... um, Not just allowed, but it's healthy for him to set the boundaries. So you're going to keep that mindset during the dialogue as it unfolds, teaching him that it's not his job to feel responsible, as well as showing him how to set those boundaries. So these are good lessons for both of them on setting boundaries, on respecting other people's boundaries as well. When it's done in this manner as an opportunity to teach and give them each practice at their own part, they will start to learn. They will learn how to do this themselves. You can even talk to him later alone about not taking on other people's reactions and emotions. So you can start talking to him outside like separately at bedtime when it's one parent in there. Start talking about that. It's okay to say no when we don't feel like playing a certain game or we don't want to carry someone's backpack, whatever the scenario is. And the other person's reaction is for them to take on. It's not our responsibility. So this will be really helpful for them in their other relationships going forward, their friendships, friends, um, their friendships, their relationships with their superiors in a work environment, co-workers, or romantic relationships. If you want to know more, the siblings without rivalry class is a great class to help build strong sibling relationships. Any and all of the positive discipline classes help build that strong foundation for communication and respect, which just Everything else will build upon that. So you can check those out on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Also, my book, The Connected Parent's Guide to Toddlerhood, covers a lot of topics, including positive discipline. I do not talk about sibling rivalry because that's really a completely separate issue and is something that can span from toddlerhood all the way up. So that is not in the book, but the discipline tools for preschoolers and toddlers are are in the book along with tantrums, potty training, developmental milestones and helping your children with developmental milestones, including social emotional milestones. So you can check out the book on Amazon. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist,